This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Today is Friday, December 20th, 2019. On this day in 1973, Spanish Prime Minister Luis Carrero Blanco, the heir apparent to dictator Francisco Franco, was killed by a terrorist group. The assassination was the most significant act of violence against Franco's regime in nearly 35 years, and it had surprising unintended consequences. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Today we're covering the assassination of Luis Carrero Blanco. Let's go back to Madrid, Spain on December 20th, 1973, a little before nine in the morning. The three young men looked over their handiwork an underground tunnel chiseled out by hand all the way across Claudio Coelho Street. 180 pounds of explosives stolen from a government depot laid out in a T-shape. After months of careful work, it was finally showtime. The young men climbed out of their tunnel and exited the basement apartment at 104 Claudio Coelho Street, dressed in nondescript electrician's overalls. By 9 a.m., they were in position. Jose Miguel Benyaran, codename Argala, was posted on a ladder halfway up the five-story building. Only 24, Argala was the mind behind the operation. 25-year-old Jesus Zugara Mordi, codename Kisker, was stationed below him at street level. And 22-year-old Javier Lorea Tegui, codename Achulo, manned the getaway car waiting on the corner. They had about half an hour until Prime Minister Luis Carrero Blanco would drive down Claudio Coelho Street on his way back from 9 a.m. Mass. Over a year ago, Argala learned that the prime minister took the same route to the same church every morning, like clockwork. At first, it sounded too good to be true. Carrero's security was tight. Surely they wouldn't make such an oversight. But after watching for a while, it turned out the intel was correct. And at 9.35 on the dot, Carrero's black Dodge Dart appeared on the horizon. It was a cold morning, and Argala's fingers were almost frozen, clutching the button in his hands. He watched from his perch as the black Dodge crawled down the street. At 9.36, it reached building number 104, where a double-parked car was blocking the road. Carrero's car swerved to the right, just into position. 
Kisker looked up and gave the signal, Argala pressed the button. An explosion blasted through the pavement, blowing the car more than 100 feet into the air. It flew all the way over the five-story Jesuit convent across the street, teetered on the edge of the roof for a moment, and fell into the courtyard with a deafening crash. Amidst the smoke and chaos, Kisker and Argala ran from the massive crater where Carrero's car once stood, yelling that there'd been a gas leak. No one paid them any attention as they got into a Chulo's car and drove away. 39 minutes later, at 10.15 a.m., Prime Minister Luis Carrero Blanco was pronounced dead. The bombing was the most significant act of violence against Francisco Franco's regime in nearly 35 years. And when Carrero Blanco died, the Francoist state died with him. Up next, the fall of Franco's regime. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Now back to the story. Just hours after the assassination of Spanish Prime Minister Luis Carrero Blanco on December 20th, 1973, the terrorist group Euskadi Tascatasuna, or ETA, claimed credit for the attack. A member of the group said, Carrero Blanco symbolized better than anyone else the figure of pure Francoism. Nobody managed as he did to maintain the internal equilibrium of the Francoist state. Since 1939, Francisco Franco ruled as dictator of Spain's single-party totalitarian government. That is, until June of 1973, when the sickly 81-year-old Claudillo handed the reins over to his right-hand man, 69-year-old Carrero Blanco. Franco was still technically head of state, even though Carrero had unofficially been running the government for years already. But the distinction didn't really matter. Carrero's sole objective was to uphold the regime he'd helped Franco create. When the old man inevitably passed, Carrero would succeed him, and the state would continue on as if nothing had changed. This made Carrero a prime enemy for political dissidents, from reform-minded liberals to Basque separatists like the ETA. ETA translated to Homeland and Liberty. The group was founded in 1959 with the goal of securing independence for the Basque country, a region in Spain and France. Even though the Spanish Basque region had been mostly controlled by Spain since the 1800s, the people preserved their own culture, language, and ethnic identity. 
During Franco's rule, a group of Basque students founded the militant ETA to fight for their region's self-governance. In 1968, they assassinated the chief of secret police in San Sebastián. In December of 1970, they kidnapped the German consul, and in December of 1973, they set their sights on the prime minister, Luis Carrero. The plan was audacious, to say the least. ETA members rented a basement apartment in Madrid along the route Carrero took to daily mass. They told the landlord they were sculptors to explain the massive racket they made while digging a tunnel through the ground under the street. The 180 pounds of stolen explosives they packed into the tunnel may have been overkill, but if they wanted to truly destabilize the Francoist state, they had to incite absolute chaos. The idea was that after the showstopper explosion, the Franco regime would crack down on opposition and become even harsher and more repressive than they'd been before. Then in turn, the everyday Basque people would see how evil the Spanish government really was and join in the fight for independence. Only then would they have the strength to rise up and overthrow the Francoist state. Strangely, ETA got what they wanted, but not in the way they'd planned. Instead of cracking down, Franco just rolled over and gave up. After Carrero's death, the 81-year-old dictator was quoted as saying, they have cut the last thread that tied me to this world. With Carrero out of the picture, there was no clear successor to maintain Franco's policies. For decades, Spain had stood in place while the world around them progressed and democratized. By the 70s, everyone could see that the state was on the brink of collapse. Without some kind of reform, there was no future. When Franco died on November 20th, 1975, Prince Juan Carlos, soon to become King Juan Carlos I, stepped in to fill the power vacuum. He immediately set to work reforming the authoritarian government and transitioning Spain into a democracy. On June 15, 1977, Spain held its first free and democratic election in 41 years. The next year, the newly elected legislature drafted a new constitution. The Franco days were officially behind them. As for ETA, they didn't get along with the new democratic government any more than they did with Franco. Although the Basque country was granted status as an autonomous community with the 1978 constitution, many Basque nationalists still felt they shouldn't be held to Spain's constitution at all. In the four decades after Carrero's assassination, ETA killed over 800 people. In 2010, they finally declared a ceasefire, promising to use democratic methods to achieve their political goals. And in the years since, the organization has fully disbanded. Despite the decades of havoc they wreaked on Spain, ETA will always be remembered for their one accidental achievement, 
with 180 pounds of explosives, they ushered in a peaceful transition to democracy. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. For more stories like this, check out ParCast Original, Assassinations. Today in True Crime is a ParCast Original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast Originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast Originals, like Today in True Crime, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler, is a production of Cutler Media, and is part of the ParCast Network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler, sound designed by Andy Waits, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, Freddie Beckley, and Joel Stein. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Kate Gallagher, with writing assistance by Abigail Cannon. I'm Vanessa Richardson.